Welcome back, everybody, to Educating for Eternity, where we talk about all things Christian education and the partnership between the home and the school. I am excited to be joined by two lovely people today. Hello there. I'm Kevin Wilson, Director of Counseling here at Christian Academy of Indiana. And I'm Alicia Schaus, Director of Bands. We had an awesome band concert a week or two ago. We have an amphitheater down in a park nearby, and we saw some progress from, what, seven years ago in that picture that I saw compared to this year, and it was just booming. So congrats on the band success that we have. We had a marching band thing this last weekend, too. Yeah, they went to the IU Bloomington Band Day on Saturday. Rolling right along that program. So we are also excited today that we have a third guest, really a fourth person on the podcast, if you will. We have Mr. Dion Parker, who is the Director of Biblical Unity here at Christian Academy School System. So we'll let Mr. Dion introduce himself and kind of give his background to the discussion today. Yes, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dion Parker, grew up in the state of Michigan, uh, found my way to North Carolina, and that's where the Lord uh, uh, convinced me that he is the one and only Savior. Um, And he introduced me to my wife there at college and uh, have five wonderful kids, two grandkids. I'm currently serving as the Director of Biblical Unity for the Christian Academy School System. Uh, This was a calling uh, from God that was years in the making. Uh, God had made it very clear to me um, that the burden he had given me um, um, to address the divisions of our world biblically uh, was a perfect match for Christian Academy. So I just couldn't be uh, happier with what God has chosen to uh, uh, give me as an opportunity during this stage of my life. And uh, I'm optimistic. I mean, it, it's it's a hard day to be optimistic, some people would say, but I'm very, very optimistic about uh, when done God's way, uh, we can see uh, unity and harmony amongst people across racial lines, across, uh, you know, typically areas where social uh, circles would be divided. I think we can see those things come together if we do it God's way. So um, we're not just uh, crossing our fingers here. We have hope. We have hope because our God is a God of hope, and there's nothing impossible for him. One of the things that we have learned as a school system is that the idea of biblical unity is easily talked about, but hard to achieve. And so that kind of brings us to the conversation for the day. The conversation today is going to be about how do we navigate racial issues from a biblical perspective with our students? You do not have to watch the news very long to realize that we still live in a nation that has a ton of division. That can be political, that can be racial, that can be Michigan and Ohio State. You know, you have a lot of different things that you can do. But at the end of the day, I think the idea of biblical unity is one that is graspable instead of just talking about. And that's why I know, Dion, you've shared that you were excited about this title. You know, this is not a diversity director. This is a unity director. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's critical because uh, what we're ultimately shooting for, what we're struggling with, um, is we have a diverse world. God is uh, uh, wonderful in the way he's created all of us. And so, um, you know, we can see God's creative genius in the people around us. What's uh, what the What the mission at hand, though, is, is how do we get along? together, not just how do we get around each other, because that's really, in my opinion, that's diversity, yeah. uh, just the, the representation of uh, different people groups. But unity is a different thing. It's it's how we get along together, what we think of each other, and how we can go uh, go forward together in a way that would honor God and, and bless all of us. But I think that is the that's going to be the main line that runs through this podcast today, is how do we do things in a unifying way? knowing that God has made us all different, whether that some kid likes basketball, another kid likes art, but how do we find the unifying through all of that? All right, so if we dive into this conversation, why is it important in a Christian school for us to even talk about racial issues? 
Well, we know that the world is talking about these issues. And so uh, as Christian parents, as Christian grandparents, as a Christian school, we need to be talking about them because the message that our kids will hear from the world will often be framed in an incorrect way, uh, will really have some incorrect theology behind it, uh, incorrect understandings behind it. And so I think it's very important that we as Christians talk about it with our kids so they can have a proper perspective on what it really means to walk in unity with others that are different from ourselves. I also think it's really inappropriate that sometimes it falls into the same category as sex and some other things that parents just don't want to talk about. Um, They don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. Um, And they also are afraid of making mistakes, right? And offending people, right? We don't want to offend others. and, And when we don't share the same vantage point, sometimes we're afraid of that, right? And so it ends up in this faux pas category of things that we just don't talk about because we're afraid of making a mistake or saying the wrong thing. And so we just stay silent instead of joining in what the who, yeah. who is the we you're talking about when you say that we just stay silent are you saying that parents are staying silent that typically educators are staying silent what do you what do you mean on that one I kind of mean everybody and I don't want to throw like my race card on the table but I think a lot of us uh, a lot me I I Alicia with a lot of black friends um, and a lot of people of other races we'll just say other races we won't say black um, I even though they are in my friend group I sometimes feel have felt not so much anymore, but historically felt uncomfortable engaging in certain dialogues or conversations at fear of offending them or fear of saying the wrong thing. And I can't be alone in that. And so I'm, I'm not just going to say, uh, we anymore or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll embrace it and say, I historically avoided conversations and it has to be true of most, I would say at, at being afraid of offending. I would say that for me, it's the same thing because I man, I grew up in a small town in Indiana, went to a small Christian school and I could, I, to this day, I can probably name the four or five people that were of any minor minority um, in my middle school and high school combined, you know? And so that was the world I grew up in. And so therefore I was just raised in a certain culture and therefore I had no idea how to interact. Well, I go to a Christian college and I remember there were some minorities that I became friends with. And even then I was just like, I don't, I don't know necessarily how I'm supposed to interact. I don't want to say something wrong. I don't want to say something funny because I think it's funny because you just said it, but I don't feel like I'm supposed to say it. So there was so much unknown on my end because no one had ever talked about it. Yeah, no question. I think, uh, I think we definitely um, have a fear of making a mistake that can make matters worse. I, I don't think we're Often we're not optimistic about making things better. Um, kind of, kind of rhymes with what Christians can do with the gospel. You know, we're we're all called to share the gospel, but uh, but statistically speaking, if statistics are are accurate, uh, few of us do. Why? Because it's a it's kind of a confrontational conversation, and we're afraid that we will drive somebody further away than draw somebody close. And I think when we have racial conversations, um, we have that fear that I don't know that we'll draw closer. I think I'm going to make a mistake that's going to make things uh, bad for me and bad for them on the long term. But one thing I think we should uh, we should definitely do anyway is have these conversations. Why? Because we serve a God who does not ignore the elephants in the room ever. I mean, have you read the Bible? I mean, God talks about stuff that makes <laughs> parents uncomfortable. I sure, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that there are stories that our parents skipped over or that youth pastors were informed, were encouraged to skip over when it came to discussing with their uh, students. Why? And children. And, and that would be because we uh, really don't think we can frame it 
correctly in a way that wouldn't um, uh, cause them to think wrongly about it and wouldn't cause us to contribute to more problems in the future. Um, but I'm so grateful that God knows uh, that if we engage in these topics and trust him through it, uh, we can make uh, we can make a positive difference rather than a, uh, being apathetic and completely uh, distancing ourselves from it. I think we actually can bring more harm because when we're silent about things uh, that matter, we really can um, cause our students to think that they're not important and they'll run right into a world well, and, and hear and the opposite. Well, and, and on that exact point, as a principal, I mean, there are times that things with a race, you know, focus get brought to my attention. And now here I am in, if, with all of who God made me to be, and I'm just kind of stuck in the middle here because I don't always know what to do. But I know that as a teacher, it was even more compounded because I was in there day in and day out with these students and they would say something and I always felt like I was never equipped to get to speak to it. And so I don't know if I ever purposefully ignored it, but it was more of a not my lane, I'm going to stay in my lane. Or even now as a principal, you know, Dion and I have gotten to work together closely these last four or five months and it's very easy for me to say, uh, Dion, I got a problem that you need to come and deal with. Well, I'm the principal here. You know, and so Dion and I are working through that and trying to figure that out, but I, it's easy for me to kick this onto somebody else. So if we think back in the last three or four years, um, man, things have been put on the forefront of our mind through culture. Whether, you know, you have the 2020 thing starting with George Floyd, all the way through here locally with the Breonna Taylor situation, these things were thrown in our face. But at the same time, we gotta be. We, we want to be careful to not politicize things because everything, unfortunately, has a political bend to it. So, how do we deal, in your mind, with these bigger? We'll get to the little ones in a minute. How do we deal with these bigger nationalized racial issues? What is our role as Christian educators to address them? I think that first and foremost, the the first question we ask have to ask is, how does the Lord feel about this situation, right? And be and start there. Like I know how I might feel about this situation. I know how friends around me might feel about this situation. Biblically and for, through a gospel lens, how might the Lord care about this? And in what categories surrounding this is the Lord burdened by? Like he's still on the throne, right? But in what ways is this drawing the Father's heart? Um, and and let's engage in those areas because there's other ones that, not to use the term kick the bucket, but there's some fights that, or battles or political arguments that we're not going to have much say in. But there are categories of people when people's hearts are broken, when there are families experiencing loss, when there is tragedy and confusion, those are all categories that are, that are near to the Father's heart, right? Um, and so I think we start there like in what areas should we should we care as christians through a gospel lens and 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 let some of the other stuff like we're not going to be able to speak to some of those right but when there are people hurting we should draw the lord draws near to the brokenhearted right um we should be drawing near with compassion to people that are experiencing loss in some of those scenarios and i think that's a way that the church in louisville could have showed up a little bit better possibly in those protests and things um but we were too afraid of getting canceled in a lot of areas. me i'll say me i'll use me again too afraid of getting canceled by, by speaking yes. up if you would have spoken Absolutely. up for something that maybe Absolutely. wasn't politically and it's not a politically charged thing but i was too afraid sure. to enter that lane right, of getting canceled by my Christian brothers and sisters, or vice versa. I didn't want to make the church at large look bad. Well, I have friends that decided in summer of 2020 that they wanted to say some things from the pulpit. 
that 50 50 that didn't go over well sometimes you get know, you people saying let's stay out of politics stay in your lane but they had a legitimate biblical conviction holy spirit conviction that something needed to change in their churches yeah. you know but sometimes we as you know christian culture don't always know what to do with that you know i think we have to take this past just a race issue as far as like black, white, brown, and it, we need to really make it a human race issue, okay? That it's a human race issue when we're dealing with things like respect, dignity, love, care. Uh, I mean, look at Christ. You know, what did he do? I mean, you, you take the Roman centurion who was so different from him. You take the woman at the well. You take the lepers who were unclean. You take children who many would, would just, you know, kind of dish off, and, but yet he reached out to them. And, and we read in, in like in Galatians where it talks about that there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. So it's coming to that oneness, the fact that it's not just a black, white, brown issue, it's a human race issue. I think it's important if we go back to the political conversation of a couple you know, episodes ago, where if you keep the biblical foundation, even what Dion said, where is this the kingdom of God as he would want it to be? If you keep that in the forefront of your mind, all of the details work. Most of the details automatically work themselves out because you can say, how does this align with the uh, view that God has? You know, we don't get to make up our view of God. We don't get to make up a view that God likes certain people, you know, red or blue, black or white. It doesn't matter. He loves us all equally. So I guess we need to ask this question as well. Why is this even a a podcast topic? Why are we spending time even talking about racial issues right now? Why does your job even exist, Dion? So we know that Christian education is about educating and the Christian faith is about growing more like Christ. How does this affect any of that? Well, I think it is hugely important that we we remember who it is we serve. We serve the God who said, let there be light, and light came on. We serve a God who made who, who parted a sea and water stood up so a people could get across it to freedom. And I think it is important for us to not give up on the fact that God can do anything. And what he wants to do is to bring everything into its the placement that he created it to be in. Part of that is unity amongst his people. Uh, God wants us to first and foremost experience unity with him through a relationship with him. And he wants us to experience unity with each other, not just the relational unity we have by all being members of the body of Christ when we place our faith in Christ. He wants us to go to the highest level of love by loving one another as Christ loves the church. That is his goal for us. And unfortunately, racial issues are in the way of that goal. And so we address these issues. We attack these issues. We don't settle for these issues being the norm or just the way it is because God has higher hopes for us. It's the same reason that we teach our kids to pursue excellence in the classroom, in the realm of sports. Um, We want them to to, to reconcile with others when they're wrong. That's why we don't just want to be in a marriage. We want to be in a happy marriage. It's why we don't just want to parent. We want to be thrilled as parents and make great memories together with our families. It's because we know that God has the highest of of goals for us in everything he gives us an opportunity to experience. This is one area where if we're not careful, we'll settle for less than, than God had intended for us. Is it an uphill climb? Obviously it is, um, but it's a climb worth taking because we can uh, look, we're supposed to be a light to the world. And if we're going to be a light to the world in this area, we've got to talk about these things effectively because the world's going to be talking about it regardless. And as we know, um, some of the conversations may be uh, 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 effective, but some of them are not. 
And so we've got to keep in interjecting God's better way. Yeah, absolutely, Dion. Totally agree. We live in a broken world. We are a broken people. We are messed up. And you know, Christ came to bring restoration in the midst of all that brokenness. The, the racial divides, the stuff that we see, that's all part of the brokenness. And so we need to be part of the solution, part of bringing Christ's love, part of sharing hope um, into any area that we come, uh, because we are in the midst of brokenness. And so we need to be uh, the bringers of hope. And we know that the division um, that we see in society is not limited just to the, the the world, to the secular world. It also occurs within the church. It also occurs within uh, families, within Christian schools. And we know that uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so if we're going to have that division within our Christian schools, if we're going to allow it to exist even subtly and just ignore the things that will bring or that will just continue to perpetuate the brokenness. So if we now go into a legitimate conversation here about small things that happen within a school setting, why is it important for us as educators, specifically Christian educators, why is it important for us to address these racial issues that come up in our student body, among our student body? Why is that even important? I was just thinking about that because of the initial question you asked of like, why does this matter yep. that we yep. have this dialogue here? And personally, I think it's because God cares about the individual. And we can allow large topics to steal from our focus on the individual. And that's not fair. That's not fair to our call as Christian educators um, that we have these students entrusted in our care um, that we do have to view as individual students. Like we can view it as a class like eighth grade band or advanced band or um economics. We can view it as a class, but we truly have to think about these students as individuals with different life experiences, with different family demographics. I mean, when, when, when we're talking about this conversation, we also need to think about how we've got students that are single family homes. We've got students that are living and being raised by grandparents. We are, we have students that have experienced loss of parents, um, that have different economic statuses that, um, who knows, like statistically, like he was saying, um, if, if statistics are true, we even have food in our private Christian school dealing with food insecurity. So we cannot blanket just view our students as just a student, right? We have to think about the individual. And that means engaging with what race they are, right? And viewing them as a person created by God in his image on purpose with a plan. Like, um, and if we don't, if we don't talk about it, if we don't stop a conversation that we hear, if we don't comment that, Hey, that was not cool. That was not cool. And then follow up with why that was not cool. Like not just like sprinkle it in and not follow that. We're not caring for the individual. Well, and on that, I think that's a little difficult for some teachers to turn um, the ship, if you will, because when I was, you know, growing up and even in college, it was all about treat everybody the same. You know, it was this whole colorblindness idea. And so I'm just going to treat you like a person regardless. But I think that now it's shifted a little bit to acknowledging, okay, there are differences. God has absolutely made us different, whether that is, you know, forget it. There's, there's tons of differences that we have. So I think it is definitely important to to acknowledge that each child is made individually. And so we're going to get to know their basketball stats. You know, we're going to talk about them about that the next day after the game. But how do we talk to them about who they really are? Why else is it important for us to actually have these day-to-day conversations with our kids about things that are happening in the hallways or in the classroom? I, I, I just think it's, it's natural. We, we use everything in life as a teachable moment. 
Um, so I think uh, teachable moments, unfortunately, in these areas will come up. Um, I think there's also, if I could just go back to just what God has done for us um, through his word. I mean, imagine where we would be without the story of Adam and Eve, um, without the Apostle Paul telling us that we are we, we all fall short of the glory of God. Um, we, we would not know who we are. We would say, God, why am I this way? Why do I struggle with temptations to do and to think and to worship things that I shouldn't? Um, but God has informed us through his word. This is what transpired before you got on the scene. And so this is why you struggle. This is why you need a savior. We, we can't just have students um, in our midst. We know so much about history and about the, the current culture and society we're living in and just have them figure it out on our own. We need to explain to them the world that they've they've been born into and, and what's transpired before it. We need to, we need to help them process and help them make sense of what it is they're experiencing. Hey, why do we go into cafeterias and why do kids of, of why, why do we see so many same race occupied tables? Why is that so natural? And how did we, how did that happen? Is that just a magnetic impulse that we all have? Or did something happen over generations that has led us to be a little less trusting, a little less um, willing to reach across someone who doesn't look exactly like us. Where did all that come from? That's our job. It's just like parents. Why is fire hot? Why should we wear floaties before we have learned how to swim? Why is it good to start with training wheels rather than to just start riding a bike normal? Kids need to know the world they're living in so they can navigate it well, or else they're going to have a lot more bumps on their heads than we did. And I think the point that you had made at the very end there was I do think that as a parent myself, I have the most significant role of everybody. You know, I cannot expect the the teacher to do, you know, there's always a joke about sex ed where we're just going to let the, um, the school take care of it. But I think that so often we have the same mentality about everything. I'm going to let the school deal with academics. I'm going to let the school deal with the Christian faith. I'm going to let the school deal with the racial issues. But how many times do, am I sitting in the car or walking through Walmart or wherever when I have an opportunity to speak truth to my child? Now, we're not watching a lot of news, so I can bypass that for now. But at the same time, I think that as a parent, that is who has the most glaring opportunity to speak truthfully and biblically on racial issues to their kids. And as we do that as parents, grandparents, as educators, we help our kids then come to that under, to a better understanding of God's heart for all people, that, you know, God, God's heart for the nations. And then as we are able to, to then expand that and work together with others, people of different races, different nationalities, different ethnic backgrounds, when we're able to do that together for the cause of Christ, that creates so much unity and such a deep foundation in our kids. And that's one thing I love about uh, missions. You know, when I'm, when I, I'm able to take students overseas and they're able to engage with, with uh, kids, with adults of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, and yet it's all for the purpose of Christ. Such a beautiful kingdom perspective of every tribe, nation, tongue coming together for God's glory. So if we think now, as we kind of phase this conversation out, if we think to families of students, parents of students, that maybe their kid comes home and tells them something is going on. What should a parent do? Let's say a kid comes home and says, hey, this other kid is calling this other kid a name, or somebody called me a name, or maybe they're just being honest. Hey, I I said this to some kid just trying to be funny. What is a parent's role if their child comes home from school and tells them that something of a racial nature is happening at school? What What should the parent do? 
I need to give you a warning that I might get emotional. And I want permission to be able to talk for a minute. Go for it. Okay. So I, I was just thinking about this. So I'm glad that you asked. I remember the first time we've been blessed that Joel has been, um, in, in home nanny situations. Joel's my oldest. He's four. He'll be five in December. Um, there's been, um, people of different races in each scenario. The first one, there's a little girl that he's been with since they were literally like five weeks old. That's Indian, um, like brings Indian food, whole nine yards. That's been really sweet. Um, I'm blessed that I have some black people and, and people of color in general at our church. And so, but I remember the first time Joel noticed that he had some friends with a different color skin. And he, he said, he asked it about one of our friends, um, that's a grown up, And he said, um, I'll leave her name off, but why is, uh, mommy, she has brown skin. And I said, yes, she does. Joel. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful that she has brown skin? Isn't it beautiful that God has made it all really differently? He was like, yeah, it is. And then he started noticing about some of his friends. He said, and such and such has this color hair and it's like this. And -and so-and-so has this color skin. I'm like, yep. That's right. That's right, Joel. And so I engaged in that conversation really early on. But the reason I'm starting to feel really emotional is because there's some categories of discussion that I'm a little bit nervous about because I know I'll have that conversation. I know I won't shy from it. And I know that we're raising our boys to be world changers and be very intentional in what they see around them. Like they will not be, if it's, if it's anything that Daniel and I can do, they're not going to be just bystanders here. Okay. So we're going to raise them to get involved and to protect those that God loves period. Right. Uh, Through whatever struggle or situation, name call, walk of life, they're going to be raised to love those that God loves well. And if that means standing up for somebody, that means standing up for somebody. But this is a conversation that it'll be really heartbreaking for me when Joel realizes that there are some people that are not kind of others, kind to others simply because of the way God's made them. And so as parents... I think there's a couple of things that's really important. One, do you have anybody in your circle of friends that is of a different race? Are you modeling that for your own family? Are you making that a priority to show them like, hey, there is no dividing line here. We, we, th- we are going to be intentional about showing this concept of biblical unity in our own lives. I am grateful that the Lord planted us on Sellers Court in Jeffersonville with black neighbors that Joel's got to see the whole time, right? I'm, I'm so grateful for that, especially when everything was happening in 2020, that he got to see us love them well and talk to them and be there through the whole thing, okay? I'm so grateful. But yeah, uh, I think it's important that we have diversity in our own personal lives, but I think we don't shy away from those conversations and that we call it like it is. And we tell them how we're supposed to respond to others in love, but we are, we are not doing a good job if we don't stand up and say something. And that goes for any sort of bullying, not just around race. We've got to make sure our kids are actively standing up and, and saying something and not just watching injustice happen. I mean, it's the bystander effect, right? If one person sees it and does something, others will too. But making our kids be bold enough to say something and not just watch because we're afraid of whatever random thing that the enemy, right, wants us to be afraid of. 
That's where it's so important that we that we give uh, our kids the opportunity uh, to engage, whether that be on mission trips, whether that be at local soup kitchen or a homeless shelter, reaching out to you know different people in our community. That we are doing that together as a family. That we're doing that as the body of Christ to care for others because Christ died for them. He loves them, and we want to model that and show that love f- for all people. Yeah, I think man, if a, if if your child comes home and they've heard themselves called something um, that they know is wrong to be called, as a parent, you have an opportunity right there um, to open a door to their actual value. You know, when uh, unless somebody interjects with truth, um, that child will believe it. And the devil is lying to us all the time, calling us names we aren't, um, 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 uh, shaming us and, and, and calling us less than the image bearers that we are. And so I think the first thing a parent could do that would be wise is to affirm their actual value. Who does God say you are? It's wonderful that you as a parent um, see your child as wonderful and beautiful, but that's not going to be enough for the long haul. Yeah. God's going to have to be the determining factor because people are going to say things that are far too complimentary to get things out of their kids that they want. And they're also going to things that say things that are far uh, too negative just because they had a moment of frustration with your child. They've got to be able to see higher than that. So what their value is in the eyes of God, the one who created them, the one who died for them, um, the one who uh, uh, has been blessing them, providing for them, watching over them, loving them all the way. They need to know who they are to him and hold on to that. Otherwise, they're going to believe the last thing that they were called. And and, and man, when if, if your child comes home and says, I was called this, what they're begging for is give me a life preserver. Give me give me a way out of this ocean of, of despair that I've been placed in by this word, because Words matter. We we. It's funny how few former generations talked about the sticks and stones may break my bones, but but words will never hurt me. That I don't know why in any generation that was thought to be wisdom because uh, words hurt more than physical um, assaults in some ways and on some occasions. And so I think it's really important to affirm your child's value, but I also think it's really important to advocate for your child. Um, uh, you, it isn't just, uh, Oh, kids can be kids. Uh, some, there are people who are now adults, some who are even senior adults, um, who unfortunately are carrying some trauma, who are, who are, are seeing themselves less, uh, than how Christ, who Christ made them to be, um, because there were enough people who validated the unfortunate words that they were called, uh, in the past. So I think that is, uh, a very meaningful approach to take as well for me. Let me just give an example for me. Um, all of my kids, uh, uh, that the, the, um, got, I've got, a uh, an African-American, um, uh, you know, lineage in my, uh, kids have a lot of European lineage, you know, they're biracial kids and, uh, but they are going to see, um, uh, a world out there. Um, and they're going to try to process it and they're going to need help with that because everybody's going to have an opinion about that. And I'm very nervous about which opinion they'll actually grab hold to. So I'm trying my best to give them as much um, factual information about history and the present as possible, but also information about who God says they are. For instance, uh, they have heard and will hear about uh, uh, 
some racism their great grandfather faced, uh, that was very difficult that their grandfather faced, uh, that I faced. And unfortunately that they've already faced. And we have to talk through these things. Um, because if we don't talk through them, um, we aren't growing from them because we know that God, uh, even though, um, he despairs with every sin, every fault, every wrong that happens in our lives. We also know that he can build, he can use those things to build us into the people he created us to be, but that building doesn't happen if we just gloss over it or just say, yeah, get over it, that happens. Uh, we really need to give them the benefit of the doubt to know that um, I, you have an advocate here, first and foremost in Christ, but also in me. And, and while we're not, gonna, we're not gonna go scorched earth, we are definitely going to try to put you in a position to where that's not the norm, uh, where that's gonna be okay for you to experience because we need, name calling is not unifying, it's divisive. And so if we, if we encourage a culture of name calling, we're encouraging a culture of division. Yeah. And so if we want to be unified, we're going to have to rule out uh, some of the kids being kids elements of school. Even though it happens and mistakes will be made, every, every single time that mistake's made, it should be treated as an educational moment, as a teachable moment, um, affirming and advocating for the person who was hurt, but also educating and holding accountable the person who did the hurting, um, letting both of them know that there's still hope for you to survive this event and to go on better. But let's make sure we go on better. Yeah. So when I kind of think about another side of it, though, I think there is the side that we as a Christian school um, and even parents need to teach our children to stand up. You know, I think it's real easy for us to you know, tell our kids to be good at sports or to be good at uh, academics, but it's also important for us to tell our kids to be good at being a follower of Christ. And so one of the things that kind of stands out to me is that we have so many students who hear other students say things they just kind of blow it off. You know, some things happened to me recently where the person that I was out shopping with made some very racist comments. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's what it was. There are other people around, and I had the decision to make, okay, am I going to call this out and start a big fight right now? And I just kind of rolled my eyes and said, that's just that person being that person. It's sinful. I acknowledge it to myself, but I chose, unfortunately, to not, you know, go scorched earth on it and let that person have it. At the same time, I'm asking my students, I'm asking my children to take a stand for it. So I think that is another side of it is that we have to make sure we are raising up young men and women who are willing to speak up and not just to be part of the crowd. The idea of that bystander, the idea that you have a swing vote and all that it takes is one person saying something. As a school, no school is going to tell you that they are perfect. And so there are things that we fail on. There are things that we try in different ways. We try to address things and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But my goal is that as a Christian school and as the Christian school movement in general, I'm not trying to speak for the entire Christian school movement, but that we would look at these things as was first stated by, you know, Kevin, Alicia and Dion. How do we look at them biblically? So we hope it's been a good conversation today. Um, I hope that you are able to talk about this with your family, talk about this with your friends. Again, if you are listening through an app, we would love for a five-star review and follow us on there and share us with your friends. Have a good day, everybody.